Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? Hey, it's Anna David. I'm the host and creator of this very podcast you are listening to. I'm also the New York Times bestselling author of six books, most of them about addiction and recovery. I speak at colleges about addiction. I speak on television about addiction. I speak about addiction. I created uh, the website after theafterpartygroup.com. Yeah. And that contains After Party Chat, which is addiction and recovery articles. They're really good. I can say that because I I didn't write most of them. Most of them are written by other sober people who are brilliant. And their articles get picked up all over the place, reposted on Salon and Huffington Post, so you know they're good. Um, It is also made up of After Party Treatment, which lists almost all the treatment centers in California. And... um, It's made up of this podcast, After Party Pod. By the way, I'm thinking of changing the title. I don't know. It's just a thought. If you have any thoughts about this, tell me. I'm I'm trying to make this more uh, about people who have experienced a major life change, not limit it to just people talking about getting sober, because I think everyone on this planet can relate to making a major life change and can be inspired by people doing that. So that's my thought. Love to hear yours. Today's guest is Ricky Rackman. You guys know Ricky Rackman. His real name, I didn't know that till uh, this interview, is David Allen Ricky Rackman. If you really want to bug him, call him that. He changed his name when he was like 13. Um, anyway, he is. Uh, he hosted Headbangers Ball on MTV from 1990 to 1995. He had this huge nightclub. He is like in LA for years, the Cat House, and he is, um, you know, the ultimate sort of bad boy rock and roller guy. And um, he's actually. Oh, he also hosted Rock of Love. Oh, yeah. He's friends with all those rocker guys. And the thing about him is that he's actually a total sweetheart. He won't admit it. I even tried to get him to admit it in this interview. And um, just no. He Yeah, no. He is, though. Um, I met him because we were both enrolled at UCLA getting uh, uh, our which is, you know, certified to become a drug and alcohol counselor. And um, he, was, he was so... God, he would not admit this. He was so into the school. Oh my God, he loved being a student, sat in like the front row. And um, he and I are both actually kind of taking a break from it right now. Um, but I plan to go back. We'll see if he does. Anyway, um, he's been sober over two decades and um, has a lot of interesting things to say about it. You know, he is a guy who does not shy away from the truth. And so he brings that here to you. I hope you like it. I hope you love it. I hope it makes you laugh, cry, tweet, and Facebook. (laughs) So with that, I give you Ricky Rackman. Shut up. Well, first of all, talk into the mic. And second of I'm all... I'm sorry. I, this, the, this is all very new to me. I've never done radio before. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You can't be... You You can't... Um, yes, I know. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to interview you, who have so much experience in this realm, yet was not talking into the mic. Yet, do you believe... Do you understand that you started it? Before you even introduced who I am, the first words that you said were, you can't. That was it. <laughs> you started this whole thing up by saying, you can't. Well, wh- anyway, you were saying that you have substandard recording material that I Some, have. No, I have, I, have, I have different. When I do uh, my, my racing show and I go into the go to the track and interview drivers, I just use some little thing that I interviewed. Oh, really? And then I just download it onto my thing. And I 
by Sorry. recorders like $29. Really? And I used to have an expensive Tascam one, but that's not really exciting. But like when I had, when I was just using a digital recorder, everybody complained. My listeners, you guys, they complained. How come your people didn't? They don't complain about the sound quality? Because no, they're too busy complaining about me then to worry about the sound quality. <laughs> They've got so many other things to complain about. Why would you nitpick the sound quality? Yeah, so they don't right. have, they don't have no. to hear you oh, as well. God, That's no. an attribute. No, I do enough things to piss them off. Okay, I didn't need to introduce you because first of all, your voice is so recognizable. And second of all, anybody who's listening to this already knows they've downloaded it's the Ricky Rackman episode. So of course they know. Did you spell it right? I, I, you know what I like to do? I like to spell, as I told you, I think you spell it in a very girly way. If a girl goes by the name Ricky, she spells it R-I-K-I or R-I-C-K-I, Ricky Lake. <laughs> Why are you just not even? See, for you, you know, the ultimate okay. tough guy, I just think that's funny. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I had the worst, my real name is Uh-oh. the worst first name in the world. So I had to get rid of this first name because every time I heard my first name, it made me ill. Edwin? So do you know what my real name is? What? David. Oh, you're so awful. honest. It's true. David Rackman. Well, no, it's, it's a if much it gets worse, it gets worse. Name. David Andrew Rackman. How many people would go to David Rackman's world famous cat house? Nobody. <laughs> but Ricky Rackman's world famous cat house, they would go to. So you total like nom de plume, as they say in writing. You just pick that name out of thin air. Yeah, when I was uh, 13, not even planning on being on TV or radio or anything. And you just said, I hate my name. I yeah, pretty much. Was there a Ricky that you admired? No. No, you just No, liked. and Ricky was a really cool name when you were like 12. Yeah. But then when you get older, you know, you want to go to Rick, but I didn't go to Rick cuz I chose my name Ricky up. and then I that that's one problem which is is <laughs> is now to the point of it just being kind of weird. Yeah. But um Gets less now I now I don't think of the name. Yeah. And and my name goes so well with my last name. It does. And when I hear people talk about it, they don't talk not to bore you with this, but this is Please. just a real a real quick story. You can probably edit this out. No, I edit. But I remember it. one time. <laughs> now's the time to start. <laughs> um, I remember when I was I was had been on MTV for probably a couple months, and I was walking through the Denver airport. I even remember where it happened, and somebody said, "There's Ricky Rackman," and it was the first time that somebody had said Ricky Rackman, right. and it wasn't like because you know me. It was like my name became a product. Yeah, my name yeah, became. Yeah synonymous with at that time headbangers ball or with anything so when anybody says ricky rackman it's not like it's just like oh hey what's happening it's like that it was weird you're right it was really weird because all of a sudden i was a product and i was a product that i didn't necessarily enjoy so is that true (laughs) yeah is that true yeah well first of all what's weirder about it is it's one thing to hear somebody say your name for the first time when you realize that that you don't know them but that you had made up the name that you had made no i didn't really make it up because i but i did when i was like a kid it's not because i wanted to get into so by that time you know this has already been you know 15 20 years that i've been going by the name of ricky right 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 um can i tell you a funny story about getting recognized me um when i was first on that show that that uh nobody i knew actually watched called attack of the show and it was on this network called g4 and i um, watched it you did Uh obsessively i'm kind of a nerd yeah i know that's your 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 conglomeration of so many things you're so much more interesting than i would have thought and i mean that as a compliment there is no possible way that that is a compliment no matter how you say go ahead tell your okay okay my g4 story is just that i um you know, I nobody I knew watched this television show, but I would get tons of email about it. And so one day I was sitting at the 101 Cafe, you know, on Franklin, mm-hmm. and I was I had um, had my computer and I was going to work. And I it was the new Apple, you know, it was kind of laptops or sort of whatever. I was sitting there, and this guy comes up and he goes, "Oh my God, G4!" And I thought it was the first time I was being recognized. And so I give him this huge smile, I'm like, "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> I go, "Yes." Oh my God, yes. And he sits down. I realize he's a total lunatic. And he goes, that's a G4 computer. That's an Apple G4 computer, <laughs> oh, right? No. And here I've been so friendly and nice. And I realize that he's talking about my computer and that he's insane. And I'm like, um, oh, yeah. No. Anyway, excuse me. That's yeah. funny. But um, but you get recognized a lot. Yeah, it's usually like, Are you Ricky Rackman? I'm like, yeah, they're like, you suck. Like, they nice. don't do that. Not really that much anymore. No, I think you're very well liked. No. You know what it is? It's the people that don't like me are very vocal yes, about it. Yes, so, yes, yes. So if, if, if there's, you know, 100 people that know me and 80 of them like me, those 20 are going to let everybody know that right. they don't like me, which right. is okay because I just do exactly what I do and I do everything. And, I you know, I get the things that I get criticized for sometimes are 
I, I find preposterous. I get criticized because, you know, I like different types of music because I submerge myself into different scenes. Not that I'm just trying to fit into anywhere. Right. It's just what I do, you know. I mean, there are people that criticize me for going into NASCAR as a profession. The right. reason I went into NASCAR as a profession is because I love NASCAR. Right, right, right. The reason right. that I was doing rock and roll is because I love rock and roll. If I happen to listen to country, so be it. Right, you know? right, right. People, people were mad. I mean, now it, it's kind of, it's, it's okay that there's, there's, there's rockers with short hair, but when I cut my hair in 1992, it was betrayal. People were just furious, furious. Now, like everybody's got short hair, it doesn't matter, right? But people were furious. People need a life. I mean, that's the dumbest thing to get mad about you cutting your hair or mad that you are listening to country. I mean, please. But, but here's the thing about you. This is what I would say is that I think that you kind of have this like don't give a fuck attitude. Like you kind of. Um, like you're actually a super sweet guy in my experience. And I would not know that from your persona. I like, I would not, (laughs) I don't even know why you're giving me that dirty look, but like, like, okay, for instance, okay. So, so we met, I I mean, I'm going to stop, I'm going to get you to walk through your whole history, but we met when I, when I was newly sober and, and I, we were working at that retarded website remember a billion years ago and I really you know really tried to schmooze with you and you were not interested. I really have no idea what you're talking about right now no you do I'm not gonna oh my god we just talked about this recently you worked at a website I worked at a website (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not worked at a website you were on a contract they were doing video oh I know what you're talking about yeah the ones that ripped me off yes the ones that made me bitter the internet yes Yes. okay yeah yes and like we thought they were all such like scammer, whatever. They're not that different. They're a lot better than a lot of the people I've worked with since, sadly. But yeah, but so and you and downtown Julie Brown. Yes. And I try. I was like, hey, you were not interested. You didn't care that I was like try like and and I, and so then when we became friends later, I was surprised at what a sweet guy I think you are actually. The first part I know that there was. I'm kind of standoffish and people don't know me but i think you're wrong i'm really not i'm kind of an asshole i know but you but yet I, but i'm not you know what it is you want to know the honest yes. truth what it is 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 i'm honest and i the last thing and this this i don't mind this is something that i've i've learned a lot about myself in the past year i think and um i really don't like making anybody sad that's what i've learned in relation my relationships world is so screwed up and i hate making people feel sad and if right. i make somebody feel sad um it makes me feel twice as bad yeah which i don't know if that has anything to do with what you just said well yeah i think it does i mean i think that you're a lot more compassionate than um i think i am then then you see you see him at first glance you know that that's a compliment don't look at me like that but okay so so and here's so we met because but we really became friends because we were in uh you know ucla together right. we went back to school um, I was all excited. I like bought a UCLA sweatshirt, UCLA t-shirt. I go, I go to UCLA. And Anna just loved to tell me, no, you go to UCLA extensions. I'm like, look, I've never been to college. Okay, let me say I'm a Bruin. It was really cute. And like the thing is the experience. So we were both there because we thought we would get, a, you know, this KDAC, this, you know, this uh, degree. Not even the thing. Like we were basically preparing to take this incredibly difficult test so that we could become drug counselors. Yeah, because you have your following. I have my following. And we had some grandiose idea that, you know, you're sober. I'm sober. We both have a following. Wouldn't it be splendid if we could help people? Wow, what a weird idea. But Look at us now. What? Are we not sitting here on a Saturday afternoon trying to help people? In a sure. way, we are. I think. I don't know. Well, so... But so anyway, um, and I, and so we were all super into it. We had our <clears throat> classmates. We had like the little derelicts that sat in the front row that you kind of took under your wing. Yeah, I had them all at my house you for Thanksgiving one year. had them over for year. Thanksgiving. And then, you know, when we would, we would study together. No, you didn't study. I had a little study group and I really liked it. And then when, when, you know, I started putting my company, first of all, you dropped out. So we took like, took what, like we took like four, three, three or four yeah, classes right. and they were legitimately hard classes. Right. Um, and then you were gone and, and they're like, yeah, Ricky, Ricky Ragman, he dropped out. And I'm like, you know, that's so lame. How could he drop out? And then um, I am now a fellow dropout, but just because I'm trying to put this company together and I don't have time to like, well, this is why I, I believe, I believed that. You know, I don't talk about my sobriety hardly at all. I know. I, I did on, on a show I did. I opened the show and just spent time talking about my sobriety. It's not because I keep it a secret. It's not because it's something that I'm embarrassed about. I, I'll talk about it anytime I want. You know, and anytime anybody is, if anybody wants to ask me about it, I'll talk to them about it. Right. Or ask me any questions about it. But 
I really felt that being on TV and radio and, and, and living what I believe to be a pretty decadent rock and roll lifestyle and being as sober, you know, people don't know that through the entire time on Headbangers Ball, I was sober. I've been sober 25 years. And I thought, you know, maybe I'd, I have something to offer. It would be yeah. really good if I could. And it really wasn't even a money-making thing. But yeah. So I started interning at a, at a one of those expensive rehab places, <laughs> and I was cleaning up dog shit every day, washing dishes and picking up cigarette butts for, for rich clientele. And they were nice people and everything, but I'm like... I had a problem with a sober living place taking care of people that they don't even pick up their own cigarette butts. It's yeah. like, look, I don't care who, how famous you are or how much you're paying to get in there. Right. Learn some responsibility and pick up your own shit. Right, and, right, And I right. was picking it up. And, you know, and it just, it was like, you know, when you're doing one of those things where it's like hours and hours of waiting and nothing's happening. Days just go by and you can't wait to get out there. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. I do a radio show that takes me about two hours to record and I make in a month what some of these people make in eight months. Yeah. You know, I'm like, why am I working so hard trying to do this when there's so, you yeah. know, I mean, there, there might be other ways that I can help in the long run. And, and who knows, maybe I might go to school. I just thought it would be kind of cool to get a certificate. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I, I totally get it. And, um, and I think that I, I think I, I didn't expect, I didn't realize it was going to be as challenging as it was and that I was as out of touch with going to school as I was, but, but I liked, I liked being in school with you and I liked our other friends. Yeah. That, that was the best back. part about it was yeah. like kind of the camaraderie, seeing the same people and, and it, it was good because, um, I mean, you're young. You're younger than I am, but there were some people in the class that were a lot younger oh, they than were us. Like 18 and when they were talking about certain drugs that, that we weren't privy to, yeah. it was like, "Yeah, I'll tell you what it does," because everybody in the class had done all the different I drugs. Know. You know, I didn't know about cat. I didn't know about all this other stuff. So, right. like, well, this is what happens, and so be just sharing all their experiences doing these certain drugs, which is is much better than you're going to get out of a book. So I, I can find out about like, that. Like that, basically, there were those two guys. You know, Grant and. Um, what was his name? I can't remember, but it didn't matter what the teacher brought up. She'd be like, well, you can, in- you know, you can start injecting alcohol. And they're like, did it. You can start, you know, <laughs> you can take snail shit and snort it. Did it. Yeah. Like, it just didn't matter. Right. That was fascinating. Yeah, it was great. But yeah, but then, but then there was a lot of science and that was hard. Um, but so, okay. But so basically you, you know, I, I read one blog entry that you wrote about being an addict it's on your website um you talk about yourself in the third person um and you yeah, talked about how you think you were given your first joint at four is yeah, that true that, that's what how I did believe. that happen from what i understand the legend goes my father worked in the music business and what i had heard that we were driving in joshua tree when i was a kid and somebody thought it'd be really funny to get you know little ricky or at that David. time david and they thought it'd be funny to get me stoned. So someone gave me pot at four. That's what I'd been told by my parents. I don't think that's the type of story that my parents would make up. <laughs> that's but probably your the thing parents, that they're... are these nice people? My mother would... is. My mother is. My mother okay. and my stepfather are great. Okay. And my father's great too. It's just he was doing, you know, he did some drugs and was... And and do you have a relationship with him still? Um, starting to build one again. Were you, um, were there other things that were like that irresponsible that happened in terms of his parenting? His, when I was a kid, it was one of those things that, you know, I thought he was the coolest because yeah. he had, I mean, he was, you know, he was, you know, his girlfriend was Karen Black, you know, the right. actress. So when right. we grew up, that was like our stepmom almost. Right. So, and he was driving different sports cars and a Corvette or a Bentley and he was working with all the biggest rock bands. So, you know, he was my hero, but I also remember plenty of times you know, sitting at the porch waiting for him to pick us up and he never came to pick us up. Right. There were certain things like, hey, we're going to go here and we had to go to things with him. And, you know, it just, it, it wasn't, and, and as I got older, the relationship got real, real, real bad. So we spent many, many, many years not talking at all. Right, right, right. And you have a brother or sister? I have a sister. So you have a little sister? Or she's older? She's two years younger, but everybody thinks she's older. <laughs> My brother's older and people think he's younger. It's not getting that way. But, but, so, so, and you were very angry at him. I don't really want to talk about that part. Okay. I'm, I mean, as far as anything else, I'm always an, an open book. Yeah. And I, I talk cool. very, very openly about everything. But as far as that, just because this is something that's kind of New. on the men yeah. now. Yeah. And I'd hate to say so much stuff that it would just hurt everything that we're yeah. kind of working on now. But which uh, is weird because I've never ever said in any type of interview, chat, log, anything, 
I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. So I'll talk about anything else, but yeah. I just want to talk about that. No, good boundary. Good yeah. boundary. But so, um, but you don't remember that joint, um, you know. No, you I don't remember that. Old. So when do you, and but then. I remember cocaine at 13 though. Okay. So how did that happen? We're driving in a truck. Who's my, we? Me and my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had done my term paper on cocaine. Now, granted, this was at a time when not everybody was, the kids weren't doing drugs. Right. You know, this was at a time when cocaine was very, very new and very, very and I did my report on cocaine and, and said stuff like, you know, instead of buying a gram of cocaine, you could buy a Sony Betamax or you could buy, <laughs> you know, and I could list all these things you could buy instead of buying cocaine. I did all this stuff about cocaine, which is just bizarre. It's like, what kind of kid does his paper? How did you know how much it costs? How did you find that out? Researched, looked in magazines. I mean, I never thought about buying cocaine or buying drugs, you know? Right, right, right. I didn't even have a... All I cared about was skateboarding. But why were you interested? Why did you pick that as a topic? I have no idea. So I I had done that as as my paper. And then I remember uh, my father said, have you ever tried cocaine? I was like, no. And he's like, you want to? Okay. Really? In a car? You were driving in a truck? Yeah, obviously he was driving. And I tried it. And I was like, well, is it going to mess up my skateboarding? I was a dumb kid, you know? Right. Because we used to, I mean, we, me and my friends, we would do everything to look for, you know, because my dad, he, he smoked weed, you know, right. and we'd always look like, look for his weed and, and I think like, oh, look, these, I think these are mushrooms, you know, and it was like sand we were eating. We don't even know what it was, but we thought, you know, we'd always look for drugs. Right. So, so you did it and did you, um, did you immediately like it? No, I don't remember. I didn't. Um, I don't know if I probably didn't do it for years and years and years and years and years after that. I mean, right. it wasn't until later that that it started becoming you know as i as i was working in clubs and stuff like that then the coke started getting all over the place and then um being an economical guy i found out i decided meth was so much better than cocaine much better because it's like you know what i mean why spend just keep on spending keep on spending keep on spending when you can just get it you're just screwed up for a couple days yeah do you want to know this i love this story i have a real bad memory but i love this story when slash told me that I was a bad influence on Axel because of my oh meth my use. God. That's when I was like, <laughs> I must be used because I was doing so much meth. So how did that happen? Okay, so you grew up. You grew up here. Mm-hmm. So you're skateboarding around. I mean, I grew up. When I'm saying right here, I mean we're right now. We're on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. And right now we're six miles from my elementary school, junior high school, high school. Wow. Okay. Where'd you and go? Where, where I live in the valley. Okay. And I live right now. I live up Laurel Canyon. So yeah. I'm real close to here right now. So you. <gasps> oh my God! I'm gonna have to put money in the meter. Oh shit. Look, it's okay. I've got. Hold on. Let me see how much time. Yeah, I usually Hold try on. to get people to set a timer. Oh. Oh, I've got time. Yeah. Okay, I've got time. Yeah, I, Sorry. I shouldn't let listeners know that you had to put your glasses on to see your watch. I I'm think, wearing my glasses all the time now. I'm wearing they, my glasses all the time. Really? They, you look very smart in them. That's the illusion, see? I know. That's why I should really, I look really smart. And then you really talks, do. And then they talk to me and they're like, oh, oh okay. Just looking in glasses. You can't <laughs> polish a turd. So, okay, but so you grew up with this kid and, and you, and how do you go from this skateboard loving kid to a meth addict who's bad influence? Um, I was always smoking weed. Whenever mm-hmm. there was weed around, I loved to smoke weed mm-hmm. because that's what was around. And I would always drink. When I could find booze, I would drink. Mm-hmm. I would drink nonstop. And when I, you know, we'd find, you know, there was always the liquor store with the lady that she always does some minors to there so we can go buy our right. apricot brandy. Right. You know, when we're just little kids. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I was always drinking, but I remember like even when I was 18 or stuff, I would drink so much Jack Daniels and I would always like save the empty bottle, which is weird. I'd always save an empty bottle. And, and this is when I lived with my mom and my mom is like nice, normal. My mom and right. stepdad, they were, you know, teachers and principals. And I would always like put a Jack Daniels bottle up on the wall, like in my room. And pretty soon it's like by the time I'm 21 or 20, it's just like a so, sea of Jack Daniels nice bottles. I don't know why she never questioned me on that. I mean, I was a punker, so they were already confused with me anyway. But I don't know why they they didn't say, like, why do you have all these Jack Daniels bottles? Right, you know? right. I, didn't, I never knew that, why they didn't bring that up. Because they brought up everything else. But uh, So I was just drinking, drinking, drinking forever. I've always been a big drinker. And so you graduated from high I'm school? Good, I'm good at drinking. What do you mean? What does that mean? I know how to drink. Yeah. I mean, I well, how do you drink? You mean because you could drink Jack Daniels and drink a lot of it? Yeah, I get really drunk and act stupid, but I, but I, it was like that was one thing that's like, it's dark out, I'll drink. 
Would you like? Were you uh, an angry drunk, or did you get Everything. fights? I wonder if I got more fights sober. Um, yeah, you've you've done your share of fighting in sobriety. It's not any stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got no, I got fights. Right. I got in fights. Been to jail. Um, made a lot of mistakes. Um, drunk driving. Right. So you got DUIs and you went to uh-huh. jail for that. Uh-huh. Um, and then, but okay, so you graduate from high school. You don't go to college. You stay here and you're living at home with your nice mother. And and did you when did you start working for MTV? Like how did this? No, um, I still well just to be real real quick. There was a clothing store on Ventura Boulevard called okay. the Factory. Okay. And I said I want to be your DJ because I I've loved music since I was a little kid. Right. And they had DJs in their stores, so I started being their DJ. Cute. Then I became a club DJ, and I was a very 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 successful club DJ. Okay. I was playing all the all this. the big clubs. And then I I came through cocaine through that way. I used to sell mixtapes with a gram of cocaine in it. So I was selling coke, and I was doing coke, and I just would, and I was out every night playing clubs. How did playing you start clubs. selling coke? How did that happen? Because because uh, people would always go to the DJ booth and go, "Got any coke?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you DJ know? often was yeah, the guy yeah, who had it. Right. Yeah. So you had some like big deal drug dealer that would give it to you. Or? There was another person that would give me coke, and yeah. but it, it was that typical "Don't get high on your own supply." Yeah, whatever. I would I would do cocaine. Yeah. And I would sell it, and I was doing it, and right. You know, it was a freaking mess. Just so you a were mess. a mess. Did you do, was not quote unquote working for you? Like, God, did you no. think you were having fun? See, when I was, I mean, whether it's problems that I've had with depression, I know that there were a lot of times that I was real, real depressed about it. Right. And my drinking, there were times that I had a lot of fun with drinking, but usually it, it was just, you know, the thing is, if, if, if an alcoholic can, can, can control the way they are when they're drunk and say, I'm only going to have those fun days when I drink and I'm not going to, well, then you know what? I keep on drinking. But the truth is it's not the fun days. The fun days get fewer and and fewer. And then there's not fun days, you know? Yeah. I mean, in your last couple years, did you have any fun days? God, no, 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 no. It got really, I mean, it was one of those, if I didn't stop, I'd be dead. Right. It was, it was one of those things. So, okay. So you're DJ, you're doing coke, you're selling coke. I'm DJing and then, and then I was uh, working at a bunch of clubs and then I decided to open up my own club which was the Cat House, okay. which was a rock and roll club, which right. which became the biggest rock and roll club in the world. Every band wanted to play my club because it was the coolest rock club. And, I and mean, that was on Sunset? Was no, it was on Highland. It was on La Cienega where the Beverly Center is. And then I moved it to Highland. And when I say every band, I mean, you know, uh, Alice in Chains, Stone Tumble Pilots, Black Crows, Megadeth, Guns N' Roses, um, Alice Cooper. Everybody wanted to play my club. And it got me famous because, right. I mean, I, I was taking this club on tour. Right. And then Axel called up MTV and said, you know, and she set up my audition for me. He's like, do you want me to go to New York with you? And I'm like, yeah. So me and Axel went to New York and I auditioned with him on that. But I, but I actually had started to get sober before that. Okay, wait, first of all, how did you open a club? How did you even know how to do that? Did you have investors? What did you Hell do? no. You just went. I was a club DJ and I was a successful club DJ and I went to this Osco's disco okay. that was like torn down. It was the disco they used in the movie Thank God It's Fridays okay. and it probably hadn't been used. It was like, that was like a disco era, Donna Summer okay. movie. I love saying this. I think I'm too young. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, go on. I've seen movies that were in the 40s, <laughs> okay? Just, so just let because... Let me have it, okay? okay. Let go me ahead, have go it ahead. a second. Go on. Because I don't think... I was probably four when it came out, but okay. I still saw movies. Okay. <laughs> um, and so awesome. the one, the one thing that I've been... I've always been blessed with is a skill of not necessarily bullshitting, but being able to sell... Yeah. And but anything I ever try to sell somebody is an idea that I believe in. Like right. like I don't do anything unless I think this is going to be something great. Right. And so I convince this guy, hey, let me DJ this club and 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 we're going to play rock and roll here, and it's only going to be a rock and roll dance club. And there was no rock dance clubs. What year was this? Nineteen eighty six. And um, and it just it started so slow, so slow. I mean, a, a, a great story was that um, the first person that showed up was Lita Ford. And so I kept on buying drinks for Lita Ford, buying drinks. Come on, come on, stay in my club, stay in my club. And she ended up puking, right? right? So there was a funny thing that at the end, the ending of the first night, everybody's like, it didn't do, do so well. You must be pretty bummed. I'm like, Lita Ford puked in my club. And they're like, you know, maybe people aren't ready for a rock club. Maybe this isn't the time. And I'm like, dude, Lita Ford puked in my club. Like, I thought that was it, you know? Wait, and I have a job question. She was a model? Lita Ford. Sorry. Lita Ford was, um, she was, uh, yeah, she was a model. Okay, okay, okay. 
No, she's not. She oh. was a singer. She she was in the Runaways. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and she yeah, also yeah. had a solo career. Where she had that song "Kiss Me Deadly." Kiss me once. Oh, never mind. I guess I'm too young. I'm kidding. No, it's not. No, I'm too young. just too. Um, really, have you heard of Elvis before. Presley? Oh, never. I guess I'm too young. <laughs> so not everybody is REM or so, whatever st- stupid bands you listen to. I like all music. Okay, obviously not. I guess not. I like a lot of music. Anyway, I listen to podcasts. What I was trying to say was. So you said you opened up this club, and then you were already trying to get sober, though? Um, the club stayed open. The thing is, you know, as, as anybody that's in recovery knows, just because we're sober doesn't mean we're not insane, screwed up. You yeah. know, most addicts have an addictive personality, yeah. which also, I think, means that, that most addicts can be very, some of the, are very, very creative. That yeah. There's some things that we have that, you know, that maybe we'll persevere. Or maybe we'll try a little bit harder because we know that we used to try really hard to get our drugs and we used You're to right. try really hard to get our alcohol. So, you know, I took all of my issues that I had with addiction and kind of turned it into something to push me harder and harder yeah. with the clubs. Yeah. And so I got sober and uh, I just, I, I became obsessed with the club and, right. and worked my ass off to make it as big as it became. Um, how are we doing on your thing? We should have put a timer on. Huh? Um, in 10 minutes, in five minutes, we'll stop. Um. Oh, I'm good. What, um, what do you, I'm so good. what, what do you mean when you got sober? What did you do? How did you get sober? I did, I worked as hard, well, first, first of all, there was a, there was a point in 1988 where all of a sudden everybody was getting, all the rockers were oh, getting were? sober. Okay. Like it was cool because Steven Tyler and then Motley Crue and then everybody else. And I remember that Nikki Six and Motley Crue, Motley Crue was a band back then. And Motley Crue, um, Nikki called me and he's like, dude, I got, I'm in some rehab in Arizona. Will you go fly up and get me and then we'll drive back? I'm like, yeah. So, so I did that and, you know, and, and, you know, they were going in and out of sobriety and Nikki was and, right. um. I went to a meeting with him, and uh, in the 80s. yeah, this is '88, and uh, I decided to. St- I went to a meeting and kind of paid attention to it, and then I got a drug counselor because I was kind of screwed up. Right, and, so like a uh, therapist. Yeah, sort of. okay. yeah, and I stayed sober for six months, and then I went out again. Right, and um, then I decided to come get sober again, and. I did. I. I mean, I never went to rehab. Yeah. I did go to AA meetings. Mm-hmm. I did. I work the program exactly as it's supposed to be. No. Did you work it at all? A little bit, not much. Uh huh. Not much, but um, but I became very obsessed, and with sobriety. I mean, there's there's people that we all know that, that are addicted to AA that they have I to go don't six. By that, by the way. Look. Okay. Don't look. You look like you. Are okay. Not me. addicted, but yeah. That they have to go like, I'll say addicted. That these people that this is this is what they live for. There's people that preach on a soapbox to tell you exactly how to stay sober, and God love them because you know what, ninety nine point nine of the percent of the people are not going to get sober the way I did. Right, that's you know? true. I mean, that's, that's one true. thing. Don't I don't want anybody to take from this. Well, Ricky did it without working the steps. Right, that right. means you can't. I don't want anybody to think that because I did work the steps and I did get a counselor and I did. But what happened was, as I got sober. And this should not also be an indication. I was getting more and more work, and I was getting all these gifts. Right. And then I convinced myself that it was because that, that it was because I was sober. Yeah. And then, um, and then I lost everything. Then I'd been sober probably 10, 12 years, and I lost everything. What I went do you mean bankrupt. By you lost everything. I went bankrupt. I had no job. I lived in an apartment with no power, no anything. This wasn't that long ago. This was like twelve years ago. And this was after, so after I had Baker and And I stayed sober with, I stayed, yeah, I was doing talk radio. You were doing talk radio. And I stayed sober through all that and right. reinvented myself. And now I believe that the day that I touch any drugs or alcohol, that I'm not going to be given any more chances. Right, right, right. You know? I know that, just, I just, I like breezed over something so major in like two seconds. I know. Don't, don't think we're not going back. But I mean, but the thing is, um, so it's, yeah, it's almost like it's, uh, um, like you have a paranoid idea that, that your success is directly connected to your sobriety that's not a paranoid idea that's a fact right that's a fact so but when you lost everything how did you how did you keep the faith then because i believed that i wouldn't get another chance if i got loaded right right so did you want to drink and you just sort of were resisting i always want to drink you always want to drink i think about it really not to the point of not to the point of i always like there's a desire like i'm white knuckling it because i don't i mean do i do i ever do i ever think about it Mm mm-hmm 
And, you know, I rode in August, I rode my motorcycle from New York to Los Angeles. And I met a friend in North Carolina, and we stopped at all these tourist attractions. And one of the attractions we stopped at was in Lynchburg, Tennessee, where they make Jack Daniels. And I went on the Jack Daniels tour and went the whole tour to see how they make Jack Daniels. And was there, an, was there a point in it that I said, man, it would be really cool to sip some Jack Daniels in Lynchburg, Tennessee? Was there a time that that happened? Yeah. There was a time that I said, that'd be kind of cool. But you know what? I've been sober that long. Right. There's not a chance in hell I'm going to give that up. Right. I'm riding my motorcycle across country right now. How right. lucky am I? Right. How lucky am I? So I'm not going to blow it. There's a time I'm, I'm a big race fan, and there was a guy that had this guy that used to run this track in Bristol, Tennessee, and he said, this is a glass of moonshine. He goes, this jar from moonshine? He goes, Dale Earnhardt drank from that jar. And I thought, man, that would be cool to sip that same moonshine. Okay, well, I do. It would be like, I don't know, whoever, whoever you look up to. But but I don't. I mean, the thing is, if, you know, there's nothing that I, if there's anything that, if all this blabber that I say, the only thing that I can tell people about recovery is, is, is the one thing that is the most true, that nothing truer has ever been said is when they said the one day at a time. Yeah. Because nothing has been truer. Because the second that I hear any freaking celebrity go on TV saying that they're staying sober this time, I'm going to be sober forever. Right. I'm like, you're so getting fucked up again. Right. You know, right. you so are. I don't, the reason I don't talk about my sobriety, it's, 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 it's my thing. If people want to know about it and if I can say something to help people, then I will. Right. But I'm not, but hey, I've been sober 25 25 and a half years. Right. Am I going to be sober 26 years? I certainly hope so. Yeah. But I don't look at it like that. I right. look at it as I am Today. not going to drink. I'm not going to leave here and get a drink. Right. right, I, right. I, every day I will live one day at a time because if you start, you know, I used to obsess of how am I going to stay sober this New Year's Eve? New Year's right. Eve is going to be so hard to stay. How do you stay sober on New Year's Eve? Right. Right. You know, it and then New Year's like Eve would pass. First, right? And then New Year's Eve would pass. And then it's like, oh, but how am I going to stay sober on my birthday? And you get through those things. Yeah. And, and that's why if you do it one day at a time and you say, I'm just not going to get junk right now. I'm just not going to do it. I mean, it's the hardest thing to do that to succeed you don't do anything. I know, right? You know? I mean, if you want to be this great athlete, you have to work out and you have yeah. to do this stuff. To be sober, you just have to not do something. I know. Just I go know. around your life and not do something and you'll succeed. That's the number one rule. Right. Don't do it. I mean, the number one rule of any type of recovery, I don't care what anybody says, the number one rule is just don't fucking touch it. Right, right. You know? And it's also for, I think, alcoholics who struggle with issues in sobriety, it's like when you, you know, when you really want something, like don't go and try and control it and try and make it happen. You know, it's like weird, it's that fine line between suit up and show up, you know, but don't try to control the outcome because that's, you know, don't do it. Like, it's like the, the whole, there's like an expression, when in doubt, do nothing. You know? Um, but you, so, so, but you. Should I go run down and put money in the meter real quick? I, yeah, maybe. I mean, I was sort of, yeah, let's do. During our fun little sojourn, our little break downstairs. What? You're not talking about drugs anymore? No, we are. We're going to go. It's all connected. How you... long is it? How long are, you, are your podcasts? Three and a half hours. Are they really? No, I'm oh. kidding. Calm down. Because <laughs> I don't know how you're going to edit this into something. Oh, like that's funny any... that you think I edit it. A podcast, Ricky Rackman, is great because it shows the humanity of the people because it's this unedited, un, you know, it, it's like listening to But if it's an hour, then people are just like, oh, no, okay, people will listen screw, the, screw the humanity, please, I'm... I've listened, listen huh? listened to podcasts for two hours. I've listened to like who? Who would you listen to a podcast There's for two a hours? Podcast that I know you're going to say somebody I've never heard of. It's definitely someone you've never heard of. There's who? a comedian named Pete Holmes who has a podcast called "You Made It Weird," and sometimes it goes to two hours, and I listen to every minute. And it's just him talking into a guest, to interviewing somebody. Okay. Um, but okay, but so yeah, no, but so drugs. I mean, I don't want to get too far off that because I mean, this is also what. What I am thinking I want this podcast to be, yes, I love that it's about recovery and I love that I talk to a sober addict, but I want to, I, I sort of want to make it also about to anybody who has overcome some major challenge or had some major shift. And so I, that's why I was kind of, oh my of God, I've had, I mean, 30. I've had, 
it's it you can't call it a midlife crisis because i've been having them my whole life <laughs> and, and this is the one thing um when you don't have kids yeah you really don't have a concept of time because if right. you have kids you see your child and you see your child grow and you see your child turn to 10 years old and to turn to 16 and you see that little baby and that's happened in 16 years right well if you never have kids right you don't see that. So the next thing you know, you're 45 and yeah. you thought you were still 25. I know. And it never, ever changes. And you're just like, and, but the see, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it's getting to be a point now that it's kind of weird because I really am that typical guy that never grew up. I mean, I never right. did. My house is, you know, still got fun stuff in it and I ride my motorcycle every single day, not across town, across countries. You right, know, I've been right. in Mexico, Canada. I, that's all I love to do. And, right. and I listen to my music too loud and I drive a fast car and I do all right. that stuff. But just because that's what I've always done not like right. i'm trying to recapture my youth because i never got rid of my youth but i'm i'm really on that verge right now of just about touching creepy old guy stage that when you do that stuff like you know it's like okay ricky you can't wear you know shorts right. and a hoodie anymore because now you look like creepy old guy what so, is that what is this at a certain age or how, how do i don't you know i don't know because i see 40 40 year old people that look old and i see 50 year old people that look don't look young old. Yeah, i know so, i know i don't know I, we also live in a society that worships you that that what worships you yes and no yes it does but i think that that girls guys young people are thinking certain older people were cool you know when they think like certain musicians or rock stars or actors are cool you know as we were kids we would never think that somebody in their 40s or even 50s were cool i don't know know. i mean i think that i I think los angeles is obviously you know i mean it's not exactly an original idea to say that people worship youth here but it's funny because i was tweeting i was complaining about how uh people when people call me ma'am in a store um, how I, I, you know, want to punch them. <laughs> I say yes, ma'am. Okay. In the South, I do. Well, and so somebody tweeted back at me, you know, look, I was raised to say that. Why, why in Los Angeles is that a bad thing? And I wrote back, because we're not allowed to age here. And so to... Also because LA, everybody's, they're not allowed to be cordial either. I did an experiment. Oh my God. I, I'm a runner. Okay. I run all the time. Right. So I did an experiment. This is the honest truth. Right. And I ran Fryman, which is... It's kind of like in the border between the valley and Hollywood. Yeah. And so I run Fryman, and I run this all the time, and I see these people, and I wanted to see how many people will look at me and say hi. Only one type of person would look at me and say hi. Dog person. No, because it's all dog people. Okay. The only people that ever look at me and say hello are black women. Shut up. Really? Black women are nice. That's, I mean, look, LA is a friendly place. Have you ever lived in New York City? Where basically you are you are treated like a lunatic if you smile at a street. Customer service is gone. People don't give a crap about how oh. they treat people. And people are generally not very nice. I think they are nice. Have you ever here. spent any time in the South? Um, no, but okay, I like that's to. why that's where people are nice. Well look, I mean I do think a little bit it is the energy one puts out. If I <clears> walk <throat> around and I am smiling, people are going to be nice to me. If maybe I'm just because I always look grumpy. Waiting for someone to be nice, then maybe in growling as I run Fryman Canyon, maybe they're not gonna like reach me. out and hug maybe me. Maybe it's me. But okay, but but going back to this idea of the transition, so you feel like there you, there have been a lot of things you've overcome. Oh yeah, I'm always I mean I, I have I've always had problems. Uh, with work, I've always wor- I mean, I, I work too hard. I'm always worried about: Am I going to keep this job? Is this going to happen? Right. Um, where am I going to live? This and that. But my relationships have always been a complete, utter mess. Okay, so you've been married twice. Yes, but only really once. But oh, and but for ten years, for a significant almost ten amount years, of about time. nine years, yeah. And um, and why? I mean, that's um, some success, right? A lot, yeah, definitely. Without so then, a doubt. why are you saying that your relationships have always been a mess? Because they are. Why? Because I'm not good at it. Why? And now I've become not necessarily worse, but just more realistic. You know, right. people always say I'm a pessimist. I'm a realist. Right. You know, does, just because I say something is negative doesn't mean that I'm just being a pessimist. I'm just saying stuff that's accurate. How the you way see it, it is. It. Right. Well, a lot of things are perception. Right. Oh, you have to think positive. Okay, thinking positive isn't going to do jack. Okay. That's not true. It is true. Okay. It, I mean, look, I, I, the, um, the cops. They found out you're here. Huh? Yeah. I mean, really. Um, but you know, I think that, you know, I think that, um, 
it is when I know when I start, I feel like you'll roll, you'll roll your eyes at this, but it's like when I start getting into a grateful state of mind and I start getting grateful for what I have, more things come to me. And if I can stay in that, it continues that process. And if I start to get embittered and I start to worry about where's mine and I start to think that everyone else's life is better than mine, then, then that's what comes to me. Well, or more like work begets work. If you're working, yeah. you keep on getting more work. And yeah. when you're happy, like for instance, I was on a meeting on a conference call yesterday with something that's gonna, really good that's happening. Right. And I'm talking and I'm pacing back and forth and then right. my mind starts thinking about more things. You know, If somebody gives me this little cupcake and talks about okay here's your cupcake you know in in no time I'm creating these big huge cakes out right. of it, cake factories and marketing <laughs> and you know everything that I'm thinking of doing because I always try to blow everything up really right. really huge right so in that way you know but is that alcoholism? I mean, is that sort of like that's one, me. I don't one know cupcake what it is. isn't enough? I need a big cake factory. Well, that, that that's been my whole life. No cars fast enough. Right. No motorcycles cool enough. You know every that that the I mean. It, I can't just buy that one comic book. I need right. to get the whole collection. Right. I think you that's know. alcohol. I think, I, think, I think addicts like to collect stuff. I think. I'm a, like one of those dorky collectible stuff. You know, like, oh, I, I researched something. Oh, I'm really into this today. And I'm going to go on eBay and try to find everything about it. You know? Right, right. I don't do that. I mean, but I will know. Back when you could rent movies and you didn't just watch them at home, um, I would go and I would rent three movies, even though I was only going to stay awake for half of a movie. You know, right. I really, like, there was no, there wasn't, I had to be sort of extreme and have too much out of this fear <clears> of not <throat> having enough or whatever it was. I don't think renting three movies has anything to do with that. I think you're just really <laughs> fishing right now. I'm not. I would find that weird. I mean, and I'm super alcoholic about my work and all of that stuff. But, but so, but so in terms of uh, recovery now, you don't you don't do anything for it now, right? You don't go to meetings. Or... I do a lot of stuff for it. I don't drink. Yeah. And I don't do drugs. Okay. And I talk to people when people want to talk about it. Does that happen a lot? Um, once in a while. Uh huh. I talk to people in recovery. Occasionally, I'll go to a meeting. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, my sister took a cake, and I went to a meeting for that. Mm-hmm. And um, if there's things, I mean, if there's opportunities for me, I would love to go. I'd love to go speak at schools. I'd love to go speak right. at prisons. I'd love to go speak at do all that stuff. I like talking about it, but um, I go to meetings occasionally. Right. But it just kind of you know, if you go to a meeting, it's not only just for the to to help cure the need to drink it's you, you get other stuff out of it i mean 100%. the principles of it you know whatever you say if, whether you don't believe in god or whether whatever your principles are that, that you have a hard time coping with that that 12-step program the program is is helpful for having a good life there's a lot of things in it that are just pe- people should do in general whether they're right. alcoholics or addicts you know there's some good stuff and so why don't you do it more then i don't know your life is good enough you don't need it oh, any no, better no 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 but i just I do stuff. Yeah. I take care of stuff. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I do feel like we skipped a little bit, like the dark meth days. I kind of wanted some of that, but you want to just give us like a little bite of that? What was, what happened? So you started doing meth. You were snorting it? You were... Uh Uh-huh. I never did needles. Oh, wow. Never did needles. Um, It would have happened. Right. Meth is not good. Yeah. Meth is, it's like, you know... If I look back at, at alcohol, I mean, I am an alcoholic. Without a doubt, I'm an right. alcoholic. I cannot drink. Right. But I can think of a time that I had fun on booze. Right, right, right. But I can't think of a time that I had fun on, on, on meth. Even the first time you did oh, it? Oh, God, no. I mean, maybe, but I mean, the thing is, for me, if, if you're a workaholic and you're using that type of drug, it's real bad because you use it to keep you going until you're wired and then you're this, and then it gets to be nighttime and you should probably go to sleep, but you really can't sleep. And then it's morning again, and you're like, keep on, got to keep on doing it to get it. And I went five days with no sleep, and I was seeing dogs in the street that weren't there, and I was seeing others, and that was like, that was Were you was like snapping. taking computers apart and trying to put them back together? No. You didn't do like weird projects? No. That were, didn't but there were cops in the trees, and I did sit into my tiny, tiny closet to do meth off of uh, 8 by 10 one time. Oh, yeah. God. So all that stuff. It's bad. It's, it's just so gross. You know, I mean, the one thing, and, and, and now it, it's so tough because now, you know, we're brought up in a society where, you know, the, the biggest problem isn't the meth and it's not the coke, it's the pills that the right. doctors give you. And if a doctor, I mean, this is the honest to God truth. I had surgery on my foot. I ran the LA Marathon. I had to have surgery on my foot. I went to a doctor and I said, look, please don't give me any narcotics because I'm, I'm in recovery. Right. And he gave me Oxycontin. This is the honest to God right. truth. Right. Honest right. to God truth. He Did gave me Oxycontin. It? Um, 
I might have taken one one day after the surgery, and then I didn't take it after. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. They, you know, but they're, they're trying to crack down. Um, you know, I did the other thing, which is when I hurt my, I have sciatica, I have this bulging disc in my back, and um, and I told the doctor, don't give me anything. You know, I went through this whole thing. He's like, great, I won't. And then the pain got so bad that finally, I, I you know, I talked about it with my sponsor. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this, and um, he gave me something called tramadol, which is a non-narcotic. Uh, pain reliever and it didn't do anything and then he gave me codeine it didn't do anything and I asked for something more and he was like no like he basically thought I was you know an addict trying to relapse so he wouldn't you know I'm like Jesus Christ my now you're gonna screw me for being honest with you <coughs> but yeah yeah no pills are a problem and they're in medicine cabinets and you know people are doing those drugs like drugs I've never even done and then they can't get the drugs so then they're you know, hooked on opiates and they're doing heroin. You know, it's a really, it is really, really dangerous. And I think that whatever people can do to sort of tell people that, you know, you don't have to live like that, that there is a life after that. And that, like you said, you know, all these gifts came to you. Without a doubt, I'd be dead. Without a doubt. There is nothing, there is not one single part of my life that would be better if I still drank or did drugs. Yeah. I would be dead. And if I wasn't dead, I don't know what I'd be doing, but there's no way. I mean, you know, and, and, I still think one day maybe I'm going to be 90 sitting on a porch drinking Jack Daniels yelling at the get off my yard kids. Oh my God, I you know I always think I can about that. I you doing that without the Jack Daniels. Uh-huh. I, but I know when I get 90 if I live to be even that long, but I know that I won't, you know. Right. But but I'd still have that grandiose idea of, right. of being an orny old drunk, you know. But it's 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 it doesn't work for me. I mean, I, all I know is that nothing I mean, when when you hear, when you think about it, if you really think about it, think of of your body, and you think, okay, well, I can't be creative unless I have that. What are you talking about? Just think about your body. Everything that everything that you do when you're high, you are very capable of doing sober. I can tell you, I have done some really crazy, stupid things sober. I've done a lot of things that I really regret sober that would be really easy to say, hey, I was fucked up when I did it. I can't, that excuse. Right. But I can't use that excuse because I still do stupid stuff sober. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. Um, your fan club is here, it looks like. Who are these people? Um, can't thank you enough for doing this. Oh. For coming on my little... How long was it? It was really long. I don't know. I think you talked for like an hour and a half. No, an hour. It was good. It was good. I'm stuck. Hey, you liked that, right? I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. Go tell your friends. Go give us a review on Amazon if you feel like it. Even if you don't feel like it, how long would it take? You know, three seconds. I mean, probably by the time I finish this sentence, you might have been able to do it. And it is really good because it helps spread the message about what we're doing here and it helps other people find us and it helps me be able to continue to produce these podcasts and do that. So if you like this show, please help us continue by doing that. We're not even asking for money. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Even if you don't do that, I thank you for listening to this and um, I'll see you next time.